Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Torres. I'll be your host today. Mike won't be joining us today. He's uh, actually got a life and more important things to tend to. But me, I got nothing except a great guest. And that guest is Chris Cotillo. This is his third time on the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Now, at this point, given that it's your third time, can I officially call you a friend of the podcast? Uh, a friend of the podcast, a podcast Hall of Famer, however you want to phrase it, it's cool with me, but I prefer that. All right, yeah, we'll put you right into the Hall of Fame first ballot, no problem. Perfect. But uh, good, good. That's uh, We need friends, so that's that's good news, if that's okay with you. Um, but let's get into the big news here around the Red Sox, and obviously that's Bloom, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, are you sick of answering questions about Bloom at this point? No, I, uh, I have plenty of thoughts on the matter, so I'm used to it. Uh, okay. been, you know, obviously a busy week. I think, um, you know, this was one of those kind of um, drop everything news days a week ago today. Red Sox about to play the Yankees in a doubleheader and uh, kind of all hell bro- broke loose with one press release. That's the job, but you never know what's going to come, obviously. And, um, but yeah, it's been a topic of conversation, I think, all year about his future um, and now uh, we obviously have the answer. So um, an interesting tenure, an interesting decision, a lot of fallout, um, but part of the job. Mm-hmm. Tell me when when the news broke, what was I, I know like this had been there's been a lot of speculation about his job security for a while mm-hmm. now. So I'm sure it wasn't a, a total surprise. But what was your first reaction when you heard the news? Uh, well, I was alone at Fenway, the one member of our three-person team who was there at the time, and there was a press conference in 10 minutes, so it was like, all right, well, this is going to be a busy day. Um, you know, a couple of the other guys rushed in and met me at the ballpark, which was great. Um, but just, you know, kind of a, wow, you know, they actually did it. You know, we had heard a lot of rumors. I was actually on the side of the fence of, I think they should have kept him. I think he deserved at least one more year. Um, you know, I think it was a weird message for ownership to send, to ask him to build up a farm system, to build for the long haul. And then he did it and he wasn't able to see through that vision, Um, you know, but based on, you know, conversations I've had since and even some conversations before, I do understand some reasoning for it. But it's always kind of a shock when those things happen. You know, this is a team that despite, you know, looking like they'll be in last place uh, another time for another season, like it was not complete disaster of a year. They were in it for most of the year. They struggled as of late. Now, and a lot of good things happened for the Red Sox this year, and a lot of good things happened for Heim Bloom this year. So I could have really seen it going either way. Um, and I think, you know, a secondary reaction, just kind of like, here we go again. You know, I've been covering this team for this basically five years and three months at this point. And this is going to be the second GM search that I've covered and the third, you know, chief baseball executive that I've gotten to know. You know, Dabrowski first, Bloom, and now whoever comes in. So, um it's not as stable of an operation as it was, you know, maybe in the Theo Epstein and Terry Francona days. And I think that says a lot about where they've been as an organization the last few years. And, uh, but yeah, surprise at first, a little worry about the work. And then, you know, obviously uh, kind of a lot of theories and a lot of fallout over the last six, seven days. So I want to ask you about where the Red Sox go after this, but I, I want to go back to something you said, you said you spoke to people and, and it, it seemed like it gave you a better understanding of some of the reasoning behind the decisions. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what that was? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, as I said, it's a guy that they've asked to come in and build for the long haul, you know, and he had really developed that core. You know, pretty much most spots on the diamond, you can see, you know, who's going to be in that position for years to come. Uh, Wong behind the plate probably cost us at first. Second base is a question, as it always is. Short stories under control for four more years. Devers has a 10-year deal. You know, Yoshida uh, is a guy who is either going to be a DH or a left fielder who had an up and down year, but as a rookie, you know, had some great moments. Center field, either Duran or Rafaela. Um, you know, right field, Willie Abreu is a guy who's really developed. They have Verdugo for next year. He's a trade candidate. Pitching-wise, Bayo, Crawford, Winkowski, um, you know, Whitlock and Hauk. Like, there's a lot of young, controllable pieces on the team, and he really had built that core. Um, but I think there is a fear in the Red Sox organization and, and most likely a very, very accurate um, one that is uh, that he was not the guy who was going to go out and make the next move to push them over the edge. Was he going to go out and be the one who outbid teams? You know, when the bidding got above 200 million, 300 million, there was significant doubt about that throughout the organization. Um, so while they acknowledge he did a good job getting into this point, he does not seem to have the aggressiveness necessary. And uh, I think that that was a, a real concern. Um, and they're going to try to get somebody who does. So who do you think, I mean, are there any names that, that you've heard that you could see as a potential fit for that position or, or where do you, where do they go from here? Yeah. I mean, I think that they're kind of in a big swing mode right now. And they were at this time four years ago when they fired Dombrowski uh, pretty much on a similar timetable. They fired him like September 9th. They fired um, Heim September 14th. So right about the same, um, both on days they were playing the Yankees at Fenway. So there's a little uh, – four years from now, whoever's the GM, if there's a September game against the Yankees, hide in a shelter somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, I think they're taking some big swings for people who – you know, are uh, well known throughout the game or have jobs. Mike Hazen's a guy in um, in Arizona who worked here uh, in Boston for a long time before he took over that job. He's had a pretty good tenure in Arizona, building up a core there with some of the young pieces they have: Gallon, Carroll, you know, some of those other guys. And so, you know, Arizona seems like they're going to try to make it worth his while to stay. Um, but the Red Sox, I'm sure, are interested in him. Kim Ang is another person down in Miami who is uh, of interest, I think, to the Red Sox. She's built up. Pretty good situation there in Miami. They look like they're going to you know, probably make the playoffs this year and had a good season. And there's also a young core and a lot of good pitching there. Developing pitching is huge for any organization. She's very well respected throughout the game and her contract is up. So if the Marlins don't keep her, I could see the Red Sox making a play there. Um, David Forst in Oakland, Chris Antonetti in Cleveland. Those are the types that, you know, I think are, you know, uh, in play. Um as of now, that's who they're going to target. You know, they probably will get no's for most of those people on interviewing because those people are in, you know, either the number one chair or have been in an organization for a while. And there's, you know, they're probably uh, in a lot of cases not available. So in the secondary market, you know, there's some people that make sense. Brandon Gomes with the Dodgers, I believe he's their GM now under Friedman. Um, you know, someone like Brian Sabian, who uh, ran the Giants for so well, for so long, for so well. For so long, so well, I'll get that right the third time. Um, you know, somebody like him who's, you know, he's done a lot of really good things in the game. He is the one who knows how to build a championship roster, an older executive who, you know, could kind of see through this vision. Um, you know, they need somebody like Dave Dombrowski, really. Um, they're not going to get him, obviously, but somebody who has experience building a championship roster, focusing on the majors, you know, going for it right now. Dave Dombrowski came in with the hammer and said, we need an ace. We'll go get Chris Sale. We need a closer. We'll go get Craig Kimbrell. They did that, and the Red Sox went from a really good team in um, you know, 16 and 17 to a World Series champion in 18. 
Um, and, you know, then it bottomed out in 19 and they had to go out and get Bloom. And now they're on the other side of that pendulum where they have a good core. So those are some of the names I think, you know, I think um, they're still really early in the search. They're going to see how this shakes out. But taking big swings for now and, and they'll see how the market plays out. You know, it hasn't worked out. Um, it, it hasn't, you know, become clear right now who their main targets are. But I think it's going to be some of those bigger names I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Is ownership, though, I mean, my big question is like, is ownership willing to spend the way they have in the past? Because it seems like they went through a period, you know, they, they traded bets and I've heard different stories about why that happened. Uh, Obviously you would know better than me, but like is, is ownership now fully committed to being, you know, to, to spending what they need to do to field a championship roster? Yeah. I mean, I think so, you know, and I, I think it's just, there's a couple ways to look at it. You know, they've dropped in the payroll rankings from a team that was always in the top five to a team that was like 12th or 13th. Um, I believe this year, um, you know, part of that is because they, they found a way to make sure Raphael Devers contract didn't kick in until after this year. So starting next year, he's going to be, you know, making North of 30 this year, he's tagged for 17, but he's under control for, you know, 11 years. There's a lot of different ways to look at that. Um, you know, Trevor Story is an expensive player. Yoshida is an expensive player. Sale, um, you know, some of these guys they have, and they're going to look to extend some of their younger stars, especially Casas and Duran and Casas, uh, Casas, Duran and Bayo. I think they're going to look to extend. Um, and I think they'll go out and get some big free agents, whether it be Yamamoto or Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, some of those people. So um, I do think the willingness to spend is there. You know, in 2018, they had a huge payroll. They had a lot of, you know, older veterans or guys who were getting up to free agency, whether it be Mookie Betts after 2019 or Xander Bogarts after 2021 or, uh, or I mean, Mookie after 20 and, and uh, Xander after 21. Um, they had to reset under the CBT. The CBT is meant for big market teams to do it. The Yankees have done it. The Dodgers have done it. Um, the Mets don't care about that because the owner doesn't care at all and can do whatever he wants. But um, they reset, you know, they reset again this year because they went over last year. Um and I think they're ready to spend and they have the ability to do so. I do think the thing that works against the Red Sox that, you know, uh, is completely of their own doing is that the owners do not appear publicly. They don't talk to the media ever. They do not do interviews. They don't go on TV. They don't tell you ever how they're feeling. And so they people start thinking they don't care about us. They care about Liverpool more. They care about, you know, whether it be the Penguins or some of these other interests, whatever it is, they care about those types of things more. And then the Red Sox ownership, Sam Kennedy will say there's a, a weird misperception that John Henry and Tom Warner don't care about the team. Well, why would that be? You know, and so people don't know if they are willing to spend because they haven't said they are. And um, but I would guess that they are. And I guess, I would guess that they're going to start pushing here because, like I said, the roster is actually in a good spot. You know, you can really project, you know, 12 guys that will be here, 12, 13, 14 guys who will be here for a couple of seasons. And that was not the case a year ago. It was not the case two years ago, definitely three years ago. And it's a better situation. Heim Bloom's leaving the Red Sox in a better long-term situation than he uh, came across when he got the job in, in the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, my thoughts are a lot of it comes down to PR, right? Like, I mean, you mentioned how the owners don't don't come on and, and answer questions and, mm-hmm. and put their face out there. And I think if there was just better messaging around what the team is doing, coming from other you know, people above Heim Bloom, I think right. the fan base would have probably responded differently to him. But mm-hmm. uh, it seems like he was just kind of thrown out there to be the fall guy no matter what. And, I mean, uh, listen, I don't think he every move he made was was great, especially in hindsight. 
Um, but it does seem like he got a, kind of a raw deal here. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of swings and and some successes. You know, Garrett Whitlock and Nick Pavetta, some buy low guys, and you know, the, some of the bullpen moves this year, Jansen and Martin, and you know, he got Devers signed, and that was a, a big deal. Um, I do think that there are some moves he clearly whiffed on. You know, whether that be um, you know, Trevor Story contract has not been good so far, um, you know, to two really lost years and, you know, some trades he's lost here and there. I mean, he traded Jeffrey Springs. I know it's not the end of the world and he's a guy who's having Tommy John now, but, you know, probably a trade you don't want to make. So, you know, there's, there are ebbs and flows to it as there always are. Um, but yeah, I think the end came a little quicker than I would have guessed at the beginning. What do you think for the Red Sox? I mean, they, they've had, like you, you mentioned, they, they've got some young pieces that are, are developing here. What do you think is, like the the most encouraging um if you could pick one player this past season that you you are most encouraged by uh who would that be i, I would say casas and this would not have been the answer in april or may um just because he's a guy that at that point was hitting the ball hard was getting on base at a high clip but was not really you know showing out in those traditional stats you know the the, the average was low even last year you know the um you know, he hit 197 in the 27 game September sample size. They showed an advanced approach, and he also regressed defensively to start the season. You know, first you know year in the majors, and his season's over with some shoulder inflammation. You know, just looking at it now, 856 OPS, 24 homers, 65 RBIs, improved defense down the stretch, 132 games played. Like they handed him the keys, and he kind of took off with it, especially in the second half. He was one of the best players in baseball. He's a first-round pick, a guy there was a lot of hype around. He was their number one prospect for a while, and it seems like a guy they hit on, and that's huge because you need those guys that he can be a middle-of-the-lineup guy, you know, along with Devers for years to come. So he's been super, super impressive. I think there's a lot of guys that at times have impressed. You know, Bayo had a stretch there where he looked like an ace. Uh, I just covered a start yesterday of his in Texas that he gave up eight, eight and three and looked horrible, and he can't pitch in day games. Um you know, Cutter Crawford has had a pretty good season as kind of an out-of-nowhere guy. Winkowski in the bullpens looked really good as a controllable guy. Connor Wong behind the plate, a really good defender with some pop, which is kind of all you need now at that position. Um, and like I said, you have kind of those controllable older guys in Yoshida, Story, Devers. Uh, Jaron Duran's another guy, season shortened by injury, but was one of the better players in baseball for a long stretch there, and, and nobody saw that coming. So probably Duran, Casas, and Bayo the big three. And, and I really, you know, that's the type of stuff that I was talking about when I said, I would have guessed that Heim would have stayed based on that. You know, he, um, you know, didn't bring out any three of those, any of those three guys into the organization. I think those were all Dombrowski either draft picks or uh, in Bayo's case, an international free agent, but still have to develop these guys and, and get to the point where, you know, they're major league contributors and they did. So Chris, we are, uh, us fantasy baseball people where we're a little sick, you know, we're, we're drafting baseball teams like the day after the world series. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're drafting teams like 50 rounds deep, like six, 700 players. So, you know, we are, we're taking guys that nobody that that are just on nobody's radar, but I figured I'd ask you this to kind of prepare us for that. As far as Red Sox players, we should be watching for like, are there any prospects or under the radar guys that we should know about that you think are going to that have a chance to make an impact next year with the big club? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a few guys that have already come up and started kind of with some impressive starts in the majors. I mean, we've seen both William Abreu and Sedan Rafaela be really good. Well, I think Abreu is surprised a little bit with how good he's been um, in a crowded outfield mix. He's gotten an opportunity. He's been pretty good with Duran out. Rafaela has a prospect pedigree. People know about him and can run and can field and all that type of stuff. So I don't think he's an under-the-radar guy. But those guys, I think, have been really impressive um, and kind of that even next wave compared to the you know, established major leaguers. Another guy that I'll offer up that no longer really on prospect charts, but the Red Sox still want to see this through is Brian Mata, a guy that, you know, has had, you know, the high prospect pedigree. Uh, he was in the Futures game in 2018. You know, that's how long he's been kind of a prospect. Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago, more injuries this year. The guy still, when he's healthy, throws 100, you know, and I know they're still committed to uh, thinking that he could be a guy that helps them at some point next year, maybe as a reliever, maybe it's a high octane arm, or maybe they try to keep him as a starter. So he's a guy they thought was going to help him this year. Didn't happen. A guy that I would definitely say talking about under the radar, you're not going to see him, you know, on prospect lists at this point. Um, but he probably, you know, despite the injury is one of the higher uh, ceiling, I think arms in the system we've seen, you know, this year, a, a big drop off for the triple a guys, whether it be Shane drone, um, you know, Mata talking about some of these other guys, Brandon Walter, I think the, the shine is off him a little bit. He's even though he reached the majors, um, you know, Chris Murphy kind of is what he is. So Mata is probably, you know, the guy I'd say there. Okay. All right. That's a deep cut. Thank you for that. All right. Well, Chris, I know you're busy. Want to get you out of here on time. Uh, if you could just tell our listeners uh, where they could find your work, uh, where they could find you on social media. Yeah. Chris Cotillo on Twitter, C-O-T-I-L-L-O. Um, and on MassLive.com and the Fenway Rundown podcast. All right. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Uh, now that you are officially in our Hall of Fame, you are a friend. We uh, we hope to get you back on sometime in the offseason. Yeah, no Hall of Fame I, I'd rather be in, so I appreciate it as always. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. We are going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our fantasy follow-up segment. Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Flying solo for our fantasy follow-up segment. It's funny, if you had told me two years ago that I'd be doing a solo podcast, shit, if you had told me I'd be doing any podcast, I would have assumed that you're on the same drugs that Mad Dog Russo was taking on the weekends. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be doing this. But I'm so damn happy to be here. Uh, joining this community has added a lot to my life, and uh, just super grateful to be part of it, uh, and, and grateful for the opportunity to host this podcast. And I don't know where this will lead to. If it ends here, that's fine. Like, I'm, again, I'm just grateful, uh, but also leaving open the door to you never know. So I'm just going to do my best every, you know, whatever I'm doing and, and see where that leads to. But enough about me. Um, I know you guys are waiting for some fantasy advice. And listen, if you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast at this point in the year, kudos to you, because I imagine uh, that you are in contention somewhere, right? Um, or you just like listening to us, which is also awesome. But um, yeah, so let's get into some fantasy advice. And as always, we're going to look at the week that was. And instead of Talking about uh, a main takeaway from the past week, I want to go over, I picked out five different news items that uh, I can talk about here and give you my reaction to each one of them. And the first one is uh, about Wilson Contreras. And maybe I'm biased because I have Wilson Contreras on an important team 
And uh, I was kind of bummed to hear that he's going in the IL. So we're not going to see him for the rest of the season. Uh, so got me thinking about, you know, especially those of you who are in a one catcher league and you had Contreras, who's out there that you could pick up that's going to give you at least some of what Contreras would provide. And someone that really came to mind who, you know, maybe he's already picked up because of the heater that he's been on, but I'm looking at Jake Rogers. And uh, I'll tell you, the first thing about Jake Rogers that stands out is that big, beautiful mustache that he has. I mean, that is like, uh, you know, the the ones with the, the handlebar. I got a lot of respect for dudes that could rock that. You know, it's it's got that porn star vibe to it. Uh, so for that reason alone, Jake Rogers, worth a pickup. Um, but as I mentioned, aside from that, he's also producing uh, in the things we care about, right? Um, he's got four home runs over the past two weeks. He's, you know, not playing every day, but he's a catcher. And when he's in there, he is hitting usually near the middle of the Tigers lineup. So I think Jake Rogers is someone definitely, again, if you're in that situation, you need to replace Contreras, or even if you're in a two catcher league and need somebody, um, I see he's only 6% rostered on CBS. So definitely he is worth a pickup. He's got Oakland this weekend, Casey and Cleveland next week to finish out the year. Moving on, Michael King. I, I thought what he did yesterday was one of the more notable performances of the past week. Give you 13 strikeouts yesterday against the Blue Jays. And I put this out on Twitter today. Uh, I was asking people, where where are you willing to take Michael King? I, I know he's going to be one of those helium guys and going to be talked about a ton in the offseason. Um, and I got some interesting responses. Uh, someone said they would think that he'd be in kind of that Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen range of this year, which was kind of like uh, 150 to 200 and, you know, someone who probably bump up to around 100 uh, as we got closer to draft season. I could see that. Someone said that they consider him already a top 15 to 20 starting pitcher with the pitching landscape that's out there. So, you know, it's just interesting to see the, the variation and how people are going to value him. Uh, my advice, if you really like Michael King, draft early because that's, I think, going to be the best price you'll get on him. You know, a lot of people probably are not paying attention. Either they are, you know, they don't, they're not in contention in any of their leagues or they transition to football. So maybe he doesn't get the hype that he deserves at first. But once people really dig in and, and see what he's doing, um, I, I think there's going to be a big jump in his draft price. And I mean, looking under the hood here, everything is legit. He's got a 2.39 Sierra, which we know is one of the more predictive ERA estimators. 38% K percentage, 4% walk. I mean, that's doesn't get much better than that, people. Um, the Stuff Plus is nice at 117, 33.8% CSW. That's elite stuff. Um, yeah, there's, there's really nothing here under the hood. The only thing I will point out about just looking at some of his peripheral numbers. Swinging strike rate is only 10.7%, which you would assume someone with 38% K percentage would have a higher swinging strike rate. So it seems like that CSW is being really propped up by a lot of called strikes. I don't know how sticky that is. 
especially now we're talking him as a starter. We're looking at 30 innings. Okay. So can we say definitively that he has the Aaron Nola ability to get called strikes? Not at this point, but um, you know, there's even the Z contact, which, okay. 84%, not elite, but it's above average. So I think we could expect some regression in that K rate, but even assuming that does regress, I think you're looking at a pitcher who can give you close to a 30% K rate and also has good command. Uh, And just watching him pitch too, the guy seems like he is just, he's locked in man. And, And every time like he gives up a hit, you see him shaking his head. Like he really wants to be one of the best out there. And I know he's been pushing the Yankees for a long time to make him a starter. So uh, the belief that he has in himself and just the attitude that he has out in the mound, uh, those are some of the, I guess, you know, the soft factors that I look at and just watching him. He's someone that I think is a total package. And, uh, you know, can we count on him for 200 innings next year? Probably not. Definitely not. Uh, but I think he's definitely someone that I'll be interested in. Uh, I don't see any reason not to be next season. Someone who I was very excited about, now I'm a little bit more tepid on, is, is Royce Lewis. And this is another, I think, important news item from the past week. Royce Lewis, another injury, pulled his hamstring. We don't know the severity. He's getting an MRI this weekend. Um, I don't have too much to say about this one. I mean, we know, those of you who have been paying attention, we know that he's been crushing it. He's been carrying fantasy teams. Uh, but I have to ask a question, and I know people are already thinking of it. Did he catch the Byron Buxton syndrome? Was he in too close of proximity to Byron Buxton that he is now uh, getting injured like every month? Um, you know, he missed how many years has Royce Lewis missed because of injury? Is it fluke? Is, is this something that is just going to, you know, uh, will, will be kind of attached to him? I don't know. Um, but it's just something to consider. There's going to be a lot of discussion around him. I don't know what I'm going to do with Royce Lewis. We'll see where the draft price settles. He's probably one of those guys that I want exposure to, but I'm not going to be overly aggressive with just because of some of those injury concerns. I will say, though, one lesson that I'm taking away from this year is I'm softening my stance a little bit on baiting hitters who I think may have injury risk. Um, You've got the extreme example of Byron Buxton, right? And those who have baited him for the injury reason have, you know, that has worked out, obviously. Um, But, you know, like I, I was the dummy who came on here. I mean, Cole takes expose. I I I want to just like give this <laughs> this clip of me fade is telling everybody that I thought Ronald Acuna shouldn't be the one one entering this year. I mean, it's that bad. Like, I, I'm sorry anybody who followed that advice, but part of the reason that I I wasn't totally in on Acuna was just I felt that he was one of those guys, those max effort guys who had a history of injuries already, who I was concerned about his ability to stay on the field. And obviously he's proved me wrong. He stayed on the field. He's destroyed baseball. I mean, he's destroyed my soul. Um, So, you know, that's made me think like, you know, let's not try to predict injury with some of these hitters. We just don't know. Um, With pitchers, I'm still, 
you know, that's something I'm still being cautious of just because of the nature of pitching. Um, you know, guys who have had multiple injuries, I, I think we have to be wary of. But uh, with hitters, I'm softening my stance a little bit. I'm sorry, uh, Dave McDonald, if you're listening, we can, uh, we'll have you on in the offseason and we could talk about this more. Ronnie Mauricio is news item number four. And this may be kind of like a, a smaller news item, but I think it's notable. The fact that the Mets have um, moved him up in the lineup to hit second. And, you know, I think that's really encouraging that after such a short time in the majors, they've already committed to him. You know, and of course it makes sense, right? They've got nothing to play for. Might as well get him as many at-bats as possible. But, man, Ronnie Mauricio was someone that I think is going to be overlooked next year. Like, if he had been called up when he should have been, honestly, like around, you know, when Ellie got the call, um, you know, I think Ronnie Mauricio would have gotten a lot more attention in 2024 drafts. But I think the fact that they waited until uh, basically September to call him up, I think you're going to get him cheaper than what he should be. And, you know, it got me thinking, how different is Ronnie Mauricio? And, and people may get mad at me for this, which is all right. Um, but how different is he than Ellie De La Cruz? Like I'm looking at the underlying profile here and he's not the level of prospect that Ellie was, but you know, Ronnie Mauricio has a higher max EV, believe it or not, than Ellie De La Cruz at 117.3. That first game in the majors, he set that max EV. Um, the K rate, so he's got a 24.6% K rate. Ellie's got a 34%. Now, I don't think the gap when you look underneath the hood should be that wide. Ellie's got a 72%, actually got a better contact rate than Mauricio at 72.9%. Mauricio's at 71.5. So in the same uh, same area, uh, play discipline metrics, Mauricio's at 41% O-swing, Ellie at 35.8. Both have kind of a ground ball tilt to their batted ball profile. Ellie at 54% ground ball, Ronnie Mauricio. And, and Mauricio's only, we're talking 65 plate appearances, but so far he's got 50% ground ball rate. Uh, so we, we'd like that to uh, even out a little bit more and, and see more fly balls. But my point is, is that I don't know. I think these guys are, there's going to be a, a fairly sizable gap between these two players where I don't think there really should be. Uh, Marisa with six steals and only 65 plate appearances. Ellie, we know he's been a burner on the base pass, got uh, you know top five sprint speed. Uh, he has 29 stolen bases in his 391 plate appearances. So just interesting. You know, I think we we always are looking for like those, uh, you know, the discount of some of the higher price guys. And Ronnie Mauricio may be that for Ellie De La Cruz. So uh, we'll be interesting to see where his price settles. And the last uh, news item that I have here is Tristan Casas going on the IL. Someone that we talked or that I talked about with Chris Cotillo earlier who Man, I, I I wasn't really in on, but he really took a step forward this year. And he kind of reminds me a little bit like he's got that Matt Olson vibe to him. Uh, not saying he's he's quite going to be there in 2024, but uh, he's someone that I, I'm i just really excited about. Everything looks legit for him. Uh, so the uh, concerning thing is that he went on the IL with a shoulder injury. I mean, I don't think this is a long-term thing. And for spring training, I didn't hear anything, uh, surgery or anything serious like that. So should be good there. Um, 
But uh, as far as like if if you lost Tristan Casas, which I know you know a lot of people were depending on him, you can always go get Bobby Dahl back. Uh, <laughs> if you're really in need of that power, listen. In shooting the past 15 plate appearances, he's got a 50 percent barrel rate. That's sustainable, right? Uh, he's also striking out a ton, like 45 percent. So that's the Bobby Dahlbeck story. Um, you know, there's not, he is what he is at this point, but, um, looking at another option at first base, who is not widely rostered, especially in 12 teamers is Dom Smith. I think he's someone that, you know, if you need a first baseman, you need a replacement for concepts, these past, uh, these, you know, next seven days or whatever it is, nine days. I can't count. Um, yeah, I mean, look at his, his. Batted ball profile looks really good right now. 82% contact rate over the past two weeks. He's barreling the ball. Uh, not things that you would expect from Dominic Smith, but he's on a heater right now. 20% barrel rate over the past two weeks. Uh, hitting the ball in the air with authority. Definitely, you know, he's got the Braves twice here. He'll get two Spencer Strider starts. So not ideal, but uh, the other matchups are, uh, you know, Decent, and I think Dominic Smith can give you some good production down the stretch here. And uh, yeah, uh, continuing in that vein, looking ahead, another guy that I'm looking at, uh, and we'll start with a pitcher, is Sawyer Gibson Long. Now, is that a real player? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like, you know, that name seems like one of those players, if you play like franchise mode and MLB the show, like they just like, you know, the creative player guy. They just put a match a bunch of names together and, and here you go. Uh, so Sawyer Gibson Long, I, I think there is video evidence that he's a real pitcher for the Tigers. Uh, his past two starts have been really, really impressive. He's got a 41% K percentage over those past two starts with an 8% walk rate. Uh, another guy who just will be interesting to discuss in the offseason, but uh, you know, he could be one of those league winners here over the, the next two weeks. His Z contact over the past two starts is 64%, which is obscene. I mean, I, I've, I've honestly, like, even in small samples, I mean, that's like for, you know, the elite of the elite relievers where you see uh, that dominance within the zone. So uh, looking at stuff plus 117, that is elite. First strike percentage, 74%, also elite, 21.3% swinging strike. Now, are these numbers sustainable? Maybe this stuff pluses, but as far as the other stuff, probably not. I mean, this is not even a guy who was a big prospect or anything, but I mean, you got to take notice. I don't care if it's one start, two starts. I mean, you got to take notice when someone is that dominant, which uh, Sawyer Gibson Long, you know, He's someone that even over the, the next two weeks here, I mean, if you had the opportunity to pick him up, he's got Oakland tomorrow, and then he's got KC to close out the season. And this leads me into just one other quick point that I want to make. You know, we always talk about, now, I, I wanted him in FAB, but I had no money left. Um, I, I reached out to the NFBC to see if I could use my own, like, actual cash to buy Sawyer Gibson Long since I had no FAB left. Uh, fab left. They said no unfortunately. But, uh, you know, it got me thinking, we always hear this thing, like, like when Ellie came up, people were saying, yeah, just spend the rest of your fab. You know, he's, he's the last big prospect. You might as well just blow it all on him. And I felt like I heard that multiple times this season. 
And I, I hear that every season. You know, we get to July, we get to August, and it's like, well, you might as well spend all your fab. You know, this is the last big one. And we just never know. Like, who knew that Sawyer Gibson Long would be the guy, the guy that you wanted uh, while you're chasing down a fantasy championship? And now you don't have any money to get him. So my word of advice, something to remember for next year, and I'm, I'm telling myself this, Make sure you save some money at the end because you don't know. You don't know who's going to come up out of nowhere and and be like the guy you need to win your fantasy league. Uh, and I think Sawyer Gibson Long could be that this year. As far as a hitter, I don't think this is anywhere in the realm of being a, a massive impact guy like Sawyer Gibson Long. But uh, Tyrone Taylor has been really interesting over the past two weeks and someone who is widely available. He's been playing nearly every day for the Brewers, uh, especially with uh, Christian Yelich. I don't know what his situation is at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers just, you know, put him on the IL for the rest of the regular season and get him ready for the playoffs. But his skills have been really encouraging. Um, Just trying to pull him up here. Yeah. I mean, he's, 44% 44% hard hit rate, pulling the ball in the air, uh, not striking out, 81% contact rate. Just someone that I think, again, like you want to get these guys when they're going on streaks, and I think he's in the middle of one. And I don't have the underlying metrics pulled up here, and honestly, I'm just too tired to to bother with it. But I know that Mark Vientos is just crushing it right now. I just saw that he hit another home run today. Uh, he's a guy, if you need power, he's playing every day for the Mets. Definitely worth a pickup if, uh, you know, if, if you need some home runs. Uh, okay, so that is it for our looking ahead segment. I know Mike talks about bullpens, but I'm not even going to bother. Uh, I'll save that for the experts. I, you know, that's something that, that I outsource. You know, I don't, I pay for the Patreon uh, with Greg Jewett and Reliever Recon. I read Mike's stuff and listen to what he says on the podcast. I don't have the stamina to be digging deep into every bullpen. And I don't know how Greg does it. I I read his article pretty much every morning and he's going in depth on guys that are just, you know, like the last guy in in the team's bullpen. And I'm just like, Holy cow, man. Like, I don't know how you have the time, the, the bandwidth to deal with all that, but kudos to him. That would be my recommendation. There's a lot of great resources out there for levers. So if you're looking for some uh, some help down the stretch here, go check them out and obviously go read Mike's article at Fantrax. Last thing, Mental Health Minute. Um, you know, this is our segment that we probably enjoy the most, to be honest. Uh, just trying to put stuff out there that, that could be helpful for people. Uh, and sometimes it's good to just kind of just for us to have to think of something, uh, you know, that that we're doing. You know, sometimes like before the show, I'll think about like, what did I do? And it's almost like, like a reminder to do something for my own mental health. And uh, for me this past week, it was going to therapy. Uh, And for those of you who have listened to the show, you know, I'm a therapist and you may think, well, you know, why do you need therapy? Well, newsflash, therapists need therapists too. Especially we're taking on a lot of shit, right? We're taking on, uh, you know, a lot of emotional baggage, we got our own shit. We don't got it all figured out. So uh, yeah, I uh, I saw my therapist. I'm seeing him like once a month right now. 
Uh, and honestly, I probably need to bump that out, uh, bump that up because it's it, it was a little little bit too long in between sessions. But it was just good to get some things off my chest and uh, things that I had been holding in for a while. So that's what I did for my mental health this past week was was just go to therapy, talk about things. Uh, I need that cathartic, uh, you know, relief. Uh, just get some things out there. So anybody who you know, if you need resources, uh, let me know. You know, I'm I'm not available. Uh, I have no openings, but uh, uh, you know, I definitely can point you in the right direction if you are looking to get connected to a therapist. Uh, and there's there's a lot of you know the fact that we have telehealth now. There's just a lot more a uh, lot more options out there. Things like BetterHelp and some of this online stuff. Uh, you know, can be it's something, right? It, it's better than nothing. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people hold this stuff in and really need, you know, that's why we talk about this on the show. We want to kind of start a conversation and, you know, how people feel comfortable just uh, being open about their mental health. But that's it. That's all I got for you. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, kind of solo episode here. I got to get to bed. I got to watch the Giants for a little bit before I get to bed here. But, um, you know, I appreciate anybody who's listened to this show. We're coming down to the home stretch of the season here. We're, 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 we're keeping this thing going, you know, like my plan, you know, we're, we're planning a show for next week. My plan is to go straight through the off season. Like when people are, are taking time off, um, I want to be putting out content. I think that's when, you know, I know for me, sometimes I'm like, damn, like there's all this football stuff, but there's not a lot of baseball stuff like during like October you know, uh, so hopefully we could put something out there that is valuable. We could get some good writers on, get you some good information and keep this thing going. So uh, that's it for me. Uh, thank you for listening. For Mike Carter, I'm Chris Torres. You have been listening to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. <laughs>